have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Here is your host, Derek Terry. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z, folks. And boy, do I have a doozy for you this week. After we recorded episode 98, which was Witchcraft 14 through 16, I had a bunch of people reach out to me and get me in contact with the director of Witchcraft 13, Mel House. What you're going to listen to today is an interview that I did with him where he literally tells and bears it all. Anything you ever wanted to hear about how Witchcraft 13 was made comes out in this episode here today. And of course, we talk about a few other things, too, because Melhouse isn't just the director of Witchcraft 13. He's made a number of other films, and he's also a producer on a ton of stuff. So prepare yourself, folks. Sit down and listen to this wonderful interview that I was honored to have with Melhouse. for you awesome do you do a podcast we do what is the what's the title of the podcast it's, it's called uh, barely living the dream um and it's it's on itunes and stuff we just it's very sporadic that we do it but usually it just you know it grew out of us just sort of bitching about movies we were working on <laughs> so it's, i think you'd enjoy it i mean you know you should check it out yeah that sounds perfect man i mean on top of the fact that you know i do this every week it used to be sporadic like yours is where i would yeah. only do this every once in a while but over the last two years um <laughs> for some reason i've decided to do this every week like i don't have enough on my plate as it is <laughs> yeah, yeah trust <laughs> me i understand this, yeah. uh, but i there was a group of guys that i a, a production dudes uh, one guy was a shooter i'm an editor and uh, a couple grips, and we used to get together for what we called Angry Fridays, or no, it was Angry <laughs> Angry Hours, yeah, where yeah. we would go for happy hour and just bitch about all the our clients. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, that's that's essentially what this is, basically, you know. Yeah. Um. So yeah, you should check it out. I think think you guys think you guys would dig it. <laughs> that's awesome. That sounds perfect to me, man. I mean, it's it's astounding a profession in which you go into it to have fun and express yourself becomes such an ego driven, like, mess. Oh, man. yeah, it's like the worst people get attracted to doing this. Oh yeah, totally. And it's, it's funny because like, and we'll, we, we, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this when we get into the witchcraft stuff, but 
at the time, I thought a lot of the stuff we were dealing with was very specific to sort of that situation and that low budget thing. But it's like it it never changed. Some things never change. It's yep. just there's more money at stake or bigger egos, you know, or whatever. But like even on a I mean, I just worked on a movie last year with uh, with Penn Gillette out in Las Vegas and. Mm-hmm the problems we were encountering, I mean, it was this same stuff and the same type of crazy people, you know what I mean? And and the same lack of planning, you know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of disheartening in a way you're like, Oh, is this it? Is this how it always is? (laughs) Yeah. That's what I've always come to to find out. It doesn't matter. I, I mostly work in like commercial and industrial type stuff. And it's the same, it's even worse there that I think than in like feature filmmaking, the, the limited amount of feature filmmaking that I've done is that nobody understands what pre-production is anymore. Right, right, totally, totally. And, and I don't understand why you would just like, well, here's a bunch of money. We're going to stake our entire brand on on this one thing, and here's all the money. Just you have cameras, go shoot something. It's like, what? Right. How was that going to give you anything that's worthwhile? Right, yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so I see that you've been doing a lot of uh, producing as of late. Yeah. How has that been treating you? Uh, it's been, I mean, it's been cool. It's just, you know, it's frustrating for the reasons we just discussed, because unfortunately, like what I also keep encountering is like the, it's, it's the idiots that always get the money, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's like I, every time I jump onto a project, it's like, I have to put them through film school again. Like, this is how you do you know, this is how you do X, Y, Z. Why don't you know this? You've lived in LA for like, you know, 15 years, but you know, it's like, I have to hold their hand through the whole process. So that gets pretty frustrating and it gets pretty frustrating when they're, you know, projects of mine that I've been trying to do for years that I can't seem to get funded or whatever, but this jackass that's, you know, super green, (laughs) you know, that doesn't know what he's doing, gets all this funding. And then I have to kind of hold their hand, but I've learned to compartmentalize. I mean, I've gotten pretty good at that. (laughs) So, um, it's, it's, I mean, I definitely see the joke that I always tell people is that when I started out doing movie stuff, I never wanted to be a producer. I mean, like in film school, like if someone had asked me that, no, like that would not be what what I was here, dude. Right. But (laughs) but I kind of just because I'm not incompetent, I guess I sort of fell into it and developed a talent for it. Yeah. Because no one else wants to deal with that shit. So uh, I can curse on here. Right. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I just make, yeah, there's a lot of it coming, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, it's kind of like, it's one of those things where I don't, there are a lot of times where I, you know, I, I'm happy to, I guess I'm happy to be that person on set, but I don't really want to be that person. You know what I mean? So I, I kind of, it's a constant struggle. Well, when you're making your own films, you kind of have to wear a ton of different hats. Right. So right, you totally. inadvertently become a producer against your will anyway. That's yeah, exactly. one of the things that I've always hated about any of the productions that I've worked on is that, yeah, I end up becoming a producer and that is, I, I give hats off to anybody that makes that their profession. I got a buddy that does it uh, for just commercials and stuff like that. And it's just, uh, that is a lot of work, a lot of contacting people, a yeah. lot of having to wrangle and babysit. Do you find that most of all is what you do? Yeah, that's at least, uh, and sorry if you hear my kid speaking of babysitting, that was perfect timing. Good job. <laughs> good job. Like, good I job. Breaking. Kids myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, that's my kid in the background. She's, she's kind of one winding down. Well, it doesn't sound like she's winding down at all, but she's getting ready to go to bed. Um, but yeah, I find that that's at least 
50% of the job. I mean, to be honest with you and at the highest level, you know what I mean? Like yeah. pe people whose hands you don't think you need to hold. Those are the ones that need their hands held the most. It's definitely a, a niche talent that I never thought I would develop because I never thought I was that guy um, right. mentally, even, you know, that I could deal with that and be okay with it. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been doing for the last, I mean, for a good chunk of the last, I guess, you know, five or six years at the very least, you know, mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you kind of grown to actually like it or are you still kind of the same way where you're a little, little begrudgingly like a check's a check? Uh, it's, I would say it's like 25% like 75%. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, <laughs> and honestly, it, de it, de it depends on the project, obviously, but you know, there are even, there are moments on everything where I kind of slide into becoming grumbly pants or whatever. But right. um, there were a couple things I worked on last year that really, like I honestly could walk away from and go, wow, that was an amazing experience. I'm glad I did that. Um, That's cool. But you know, there, for those two things, there were, six others that I just wanted to, you know, blow my brains out when I left the set, you know, it, right. it was just, it's just rough. So, um, but it does, it does pay fairly well. So that's what, what I do. How did you transition into doing that? Cause you were, you were directing, uh, yeah. at least a number of features and then some TV shows before you started doing the producing. How did you make that transition? Uh, it was kind of, so let me see, let me think. Um, what happened was like right around, I guess when I did, right after I did Psychic Experiment, I had, um, which was called Walking Distance back then, I had a few friends that, uh, that was like around when I started to make inroads into the, I guess the genre community at large where yeah. like the, honestly, before that I was, I was going to conventions and stuff. I've, I've always been a horror nerd and like, that's why I make horror movies. So I was going to conventions and stuff before that as a fan, but that was around the time where things started to sort of turn and I could approach these people as like potential collaborators instead of like somebody I was getting an autograph from. Right. And, and so I just, just through that networking, I guess, friends, people, people that were, that had, that got stuff going, found out that I did, you know, walking distance and closet space. And I mean, even witchcraft that I was able to like finish a movie and like yeah. get it figured out and get it all done and delivered. And I mean, at that time, like witchcraft actually was out in Hollywood video, you know what I mean? Like it oh, right. actually got releases. It was like that. And I think psychic experiment barely made it in there. It was like in, I remember it was still on the racks when blockbusters were closing down. Oh yeah. I remember <laughs> seeing it all the time at every blockbuster yeah. I saw. Yeah. So I was, so, you know, that's kind of, that's, uh, you know, there's some legitimacy to that, that, that we, we actually got it out and got it released. So they started at asking me to just kind of help them to the uh, process of like producing pre-production and then just doing like all the SAG paperwork because it's a pain in the ass. And I guess they figured I'd been through it, you know, once or twice. So, yeah. so that's kind of how I, it was my V the VFX guy I was working with actually uh, was the first one to really ask me to come on and help produce something with him. And that kind of that production led to like the DP of that one brought me on to something else. Actually the guy will bear it. The guy that shot hatchet and shoots all of Adam Green's movies. Right. He, right. 
I worked with him on that first movie and then he brought me on to the next thing he worked on because he liked working with me. So it just kind of, it just started sort of fanning out like that, you know, just connections. And uh, before I knew it, I was, you know, I had produced like more stuff than I had directed. <laughs> That's awesome, yeah. man. Well, it's, it's a very niche thing, like you said before, and it's so hard to find a good producer that yeah. doesn't fuck off with all the money. Right. Doesn't sit and fuck off with like actually scheduling things and in making sure everyone's fed and, right, and doing totally. the right things with the money. That's a huge talent and invaluable yeah. talent. Yeah. And it's, you know, I started to really, the moment I realized that I was actually pretty good at it, I guess, was when, when people would come up to me, people I just had barely met on set or whatever. And they would, they would say, Hey man, you know, I'm so glad you're looking out for us or, you know, I'm so glad you made this call because it made our day go so much smoother. And we'll be able to get the day tomorrow because of this, you know, people were respecting me like, at, for looking out for them. You know what I mean? Sure. Uh, yeah. Just because I know, you know, I've done all, honestly, like you said, you know, we all start out doing it all. I've done all of those jobs, no right. bullshit, like everything. So I get it. Like I know what goes into having to do a lighting setup. I know what goes into having to get clean, or trying to get clean sound on a set that is not soundproof. You know what I mean? Right. So I, I can, I can, empathize and relate when a lot of these guys cannot, you know, like uh, a lot of the directors I've worked with, unfortunately, it's like they have never really done any kind of job like that on the set and haven't even really directed much. You know what I mean? So that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of an uphill battle because you have to get them to understand what it takes, you know, to get and, and how it's going to affect them in the end. You know, if you ignore this little thing now or, you know, just for expediency sake or you think it's going to end up blowing up in, in post and, oh, you, know, you're absolutely. Gonna, you know, you're going to have to come bring a guy back for X amount of thousands of dollars to fix this thing. We could just fix right now. Yeah. You just take 10 extra minutes and figure it out. Up where I'm at in Wisconsin, you have to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. There's no union. There's nothing. So you kind of have to be a jack of all trades to even get by. And to be honest, I find that to be an invaluable asset. Yeah, absolutely. Let's let's go on to uh, we're kind of doing things backwards. here. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. I figured, you know, once we started going, I was like, well, he might need to switch us around. But that's totally fine. I mean, it's well, all we'll get to the peace day resistance. As, as they sure. Say. Absolutely. The why you and I got a hold of each other. But um some of your your last couple of things, like uh, the psychic experiment, you had some pretty awesome actors that were attached to that thing. How was it working with Reggie Bannister? Oh, he was Reg was awesome, dude. Like he's one of my he's one of my favorite people to work with. Um, and, you know, I came at that. Honestly, I came at him. It was because I freaking love Phantasm. You know what I mean? Right. So so it was pretty it was pretty mind blowing to have him there and then have him sort of speaking my words and doing what I told him. Yeah. Uh, dance, puppet, dance. But uh, <laughs> but also like he you know, like he, that was, he actually came and said very, he made a point to, or I don't know if he did this on purpose, but he reassured me a couple of nights because these are tough. I mean, it's still an indie movie, obviously. Right, so we're like right. busting our asses to do everything. And, um, I mean, it was, you know, it was like witchcraft plus it was the same situation. We just had more money. You know what I mean? It was that right. kind of thing. So, um, he made a point on a couple of those rough nights to come up and tell me like how much he was enjoying it and how, good he thought everything looked and how much fun he was having and how he really enjoyed the character and it blew my mind you know what i mean like to have somebody like that because in my in my viewpoint all he has to do is show up and collect the check you know what i mean he doesn't right. have to tell me right. that who the fuck am i 
you know, like who, what does it matter to him if he makes me feel good or whatever. So for him to go out of his way and do that for me, like it, it meant a lot. And Mm -hmm. he just really, just the, the stuff that he brought to the character, I just really enjoyed. And, you know, we had a lot of fun. So yeah, it was definitely one of the, the four or five mind blowing experiences I've had so far working on this stuff. So that's awesome. Yeah, running down the the cast list alone, Adrian King, you have Debbie yeah, also Yeah, also awesome. Hey, and I mean God. all these all these people are still my buddies too, which I think says a lot. Well, a you lot know? of those people that do the the convention circuit are so down to earth, you yeah, know. Yeah. And it, it, at least in my experience that's how it's been and you have Shannon Lark on here who's a good yep. friend of ours here in yep. Wisconsin. Uh it, that must have had to have been a great experience. Did you come out uh, feeling pretty good about that movie once it got done? Uh, yes and no, just because it was like, again, it ate a part of my soul, you know, but in, in a different way than witchcraft. You know what I mean? It was just like me. I did a lot of stuff on there. I mean, I had a, it was the first time I had like a larger crew, but still because the budget was low and because I was one of the main investors, like it still came on me to to just, you know, bring the thing, you know, bring the train into the station, so to speak. So it just took a lot out of me, you know? (laughs) Well, and one of the more interesting, like there was a time where I just, I lost all perspective, you know what I mean? Like, and one of the, I guess the most interesting thing I think about when we sold, so we sold, we sold the movie, but then it took like the process to actually deliver it to Lionsgate took like a year and a half. It just, you know, we're a small cog in the wheel. We, we weren't a priority or whatever, but basically like we sold it because Katie Featherston was in it. We sold it like right around when paranormal activity was blowing up. Right. Oh, sure. Right. Right. So then, then also I think another reason they wanted to kind of wait was because they were waiting for paranormal activity three. This is how long it took. They're waiting for the third one to come out to sort of release it around there in that time. So like we sell the movie and it was called walking distance and it was like two, two hours long, maybe two hours and 10 minutes. Right. And so part of the deal was that, you know, they're going to buy the movie. We had to change the title, which they let us pick a title, but, um, it, and they, they were like, um, you need to cut 30 minutes or you need to make it 90 minutes basically. And so we said, okay, well, what does that mean? Do you have specific things you want us to cut out? And they said, nope, just make it 90 minutes. Those DVDs are cheaper. Like that was literally what they told us. <laughs> and, and, and not that I knocked that at all. I mean, it's a business. I get it, whatever, you know, but when they first told me that when we signed the contract, I was like, no, they don't understand my art. That's going to gut. Yeah, yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? All, all those stereotypical things that you think would come up, came up as me, you know, me as a director writer, I was, I was being precious about it, but then cut to like around when we were delivering the movie, movie and I, I literally took you know maybe nine months away from like not looking at anything just because we were doing other stuff we were right, working on contract stuff or clearances or whatever where i didn't really have to look at the edit and uh then i, I remember opening up the edit and going oh okay that can go that can go that can go that can go so it's just like the time away from it just made me so much less precious about it and I, and, I, yeah. and I just needed a breather basically um so yeah, I had a lot of mixed feelings about it, but then like, you know, when it screened at that Dallas festival, I was pretty freaking proud and people, Adrienne was happy, you know, cause it was the first film she had been in since Friday the 13th too. Mm-hmm. Um, so just to have those people there and like Reggie came to a different screening and he, he loved it. So just to have those people there and see their reaction to it and people's reaction to them being in it was enough for me. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. Would, will there ever be a release of that two hour cut? 
I maybe, I mean, I, what's funny is I pulled it out on uh, the hard drives the other day. Cause I was kind of going through and just cataloging stuff. I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's not, obviously there's not any like real desire for it, you know, from the fan base or whatever. <laughs> Who the well, fuck am I? I guess, you, have, yeah. you have avenues like Amazon prime. Right. Now, right. You can put that up there. And it, I mean, are you under contract just for the uh, the ninety minute version, or is it just any version of the movie? It's it was. Yeah, check this. So it is any version of the movie. But honestly, I don't know at this point. I don't know how much they'd care. But then again, like I don't because the the com- the communication with us have been has been real. Just spot again. It's not like they're being mean to me or they're right. not doing what they said. They just you know I'm a who gives a crap about the stuff that I'm doing or the stuff that yeah. I did honestly. Um, so it's it's just tough to figure out. But I think at some point. Um, or maybe if I do something that actually does really well, you know, we probably will. I still have it. I still save it all. There's still a bunch of stuff that I'd love to release that people haven't gotten to see, haven't gotten to see in relation to the film. So, um, yeah, I'd like that to happen. The scene stuff and and stuff like that. Yeah, we did. We did do. There's a. There is a featurette on the disc. Um, but there's even more stuff that we did that we just. It just was way too much you know when we, we they told us to hold they said hold on to it because we may do a special edition and of course that never happened you know so i still have all this stuff and i have all these i have a couple other commentaries we did you know so there's stuff that we could release eventually that's awesome man so are you ready do it <laughs> Well, listeners, the reason why we're we're kind of uh, waiting a little bit to get to this is that um, obviously my podcast, for some unknown reason, has become the unofficial uh, witchcraft podcast. <laughs> I, I don't know why. It, it just something like once we did those episodes about three years ago, um, I ended up getting in contact with Brad Sykes, with Ron Ford. Uh, we tried r- reaching out to a number of other people like Stephanie Beaton. Mm-hmm. And, and it, for the most part, Ron Ford and Brad Sykes literally were the only people that wanted to talk to us. I didn't have an in with you. Otherwise, I would have contacted you. Oh, yeah. I was, about, I was about to ask you if you, if you tried and just couldn't because, I, you know, I – around that time was a, around when I was sort of willing to start discussing it just because sure. not it, it just, I just didn't feel like talking about it because it exhausted me. Honestly, that's, I that's, can imagine. that's the only reason it didn't have anything to do with anything else. It just took a lot out of a, out of me and out of my wife. And it, I mean, it was, it was kind of a brutal time for us. Um, and much like you guys, <laughs> I want to bring this up so we can we can maybe touch on this. Sure. We also watched them all <laughs> from beginning to end. Um, that was something I wanted to ask you because one of the main things we noticed when we went through all of those movies and then we watched yours was that yours was legitimately the only one that tried to tie all of the movies together. That and that. Credit where credit where credits due. I mean, shit has happened, but that is I have to give that to the writers and producers, the Walensky's, because it was there. They wrote the script, um, and and we'll we can maybe discuss like what how that weird deal was with the. I, I don't know. I'm still sort of figuring it out, but they wrote everything. But it was definitely we talked about this because um, I was you know I was buddies with them before we did this, um, and we actually worked on a movie together that sort of led to this happening, um, but. I remember sitting in the car with Michael Walensky driving around Chicago and uh, he said that 
one of his one of the things he liked most about like long running franchises was when a later sequel makes makes a point to like try to tie in you know mythology right sure. or they act like it doesn't all happen in a vacuum you know like one of the things i talked to him about was like my, my favorite part in like nightmare five the dream child is when they there's one quick throwaway line they do that where the Alice mentions he's having a kid, a boy, and the dad is like, "Oh, it'd be nice to having a boy run, running around the house again," you know, because Dan, or because Rick died in the last movie, right? Yep, so, right, death means something like this stuff actually. Because a lot, of, as much as I love like the Nightmare series and the Friday series and stuff, a lot of times it's kind of like you start from a blank slate. Like none of that stuff has ever happened in Springwood or Crystal Lake. Like everybody's entering it, like not having heard of all these people that died just last year or whatever. Right. So it would, <laughs> we would just bitch about this stuff, right? Constantly. Cause he's a horror. Those guys are horror nerds too. And um, when they got this gig, the first thing they called, what they told me when they were pitching it to me was like, one thing we want to do is try to tie everything in and make it all work together. And uh, at the time, I hadn't really watched them all. So I didn't really know how Herculean of a task that would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember, like, I, I know I saw the first couple, like, in video stores, but at a certain point, those are the movies that I would joke about. Like I would see their like review for witchcraft seven and Fangoria, like the Dr. Cyclops or whatever. And I'd go, ha what idiot makes those who knew that I would be that idiot, you know, yeah, <laughs> 10, years, yeah, 10 years later. Right. <laughs> so, but I mean, I really do remember seeing those in the video store and going, oh, like rolling my eyes, you know? Yeah. We referred to them as like the Harlequin romance novels of horror movies. Like yeah, yeah. we were at least back in the day, I re- always remember walking into a video store and seeing, those yeah thinking okay well that's acceptable porn for people that don't want to walk to the back room right 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 exactly exactly so so, um it's funny you know having talked to brad about his installment which was the one right before yours he literally told me and and you can verify this or because i don't know exactly what your contact with jerry pfeiffer or, or david sterling was but he literally told me he was never Ex, uh, explicitly told he had to tie it into anything other than having Will Spanner and Lutz and Garner in the film. Um, that's, I mean, so here's my version of that. Um, and I'll sort of explain the hierarchy of how the, how the deal was structured, I guess, because sure for whatever re- and I've, I've met David Sterling a couple of times, but for whatever reason, he was not involved with ours at all that I know of. What happened was, so I worked on a movie with these guys, the Walensky's from Chicago. They were selling their that movie, which is called Drawing Blood, which mm-hmm. stars uh, it stars um, what's his name? He has a giant face, Robert Zadar. Rest in right, peace. That, Fucking Trump, cool guy, but you know, a number of years ago. What's that? Didn't Troma put that out a number of years? Yes, ago? Yes, I think they did. Um, but in, in in the process of selling that film, yeah, they yeah. met Jerry, and Jerry sort of tapped them to do a new witchcraft. He's like, hey, I'm just sort of, this is what they told me now. Like, this could all be bullshit, but it happened somehow. Jerry asked them to sort of write the script and, and direct a new witchcraft. They were working on their follow-up to Drawing Blood at the time, but I had DP Drawing Blood for them, and they liked, I guess, you know, what I did. Cause I, I actually didn't intend to what happened was like these guys, I was so here's, this is funny. This is a cow you fall into stuff. Right. So I, right. I was friends with these guys because I programmed their first film at a film festival that I did in Houston because our first films 
played together at a different festival and I just really liked their film. Right. And they were cool guys. So we bonded. They told me, uh, one summer, I think it was like maybe 2003 or something. They said, Hey, you know, FYI, we're shooting a movie, you know, this Memorial day. So wish us luck. And I said, great. What are you shooting on? And they're, they were shooting on the Panasonic, the DVX 100. It was right okay, around. Yeah, the, yeah. Sure. yeah. And, uh, with the anamorphic, you know, the red rock adapter and all that. And uh, on the, were they shooting on P2? Right. Yes, yeah. exactly. And, um, so, um, they, they, and I said, what are you shooting on? And, and they said, well, we're shooting on this camera. And I said, oh shit, I just bought that camera. How about just because I was, I, I was so itching to do something. Cause I, my first, it had been a while since I shot anything. I was, you know, working, I was working at a job that was in the industry, but it wasn't real creative. So I was just itching to do something. And these guys are my homeboys. So I said, look, it's Memorial day weekend. What if I just buy a cheap plane ticket? I'll bring my camera with you, with me and I'll shoot B-roll for you or for you guys if you need it you'll have an extra camera you know can't hurt and so i get there and end up dping the movie like co-dping the movie oh, with the director wow. of photography they have just and they just kind of were digging what we were doing and how we worked together and it made everything move so quickly that they they flew me up the next three weekends to finish the movie so i would holy cow i would fly home on monday morning go to work go straight to work from the airport work friday night I'd leave, go straight to the airport, fly up to Chicago. We'd shoot. And then I did that for, you know, the rest of the month. So anyway, that was a good, that was a crazy, tiring, but great experience. Not something I could do now that I'm 40 for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I feel you there, man. Right. But, um, anyway, so when Jerry offered them this deal, they said, Hey, we can't do it because we're working on something else, but how about we write it to your specifications and we'll get Mel to direct it down in Texas. So they asked me if I would do it. And, you know, I said, yeah, sure. Um, even th- like I had to ask my wife first because at the time she was not my wife, she was my fiance. And we were, we were scheduled to be married in October of that year. And that was right when we would be shooting the movie. So I was oh, like, Oh, we're gonna have to figure this out, you know? Um, so, but she was like, yeah, dude, it's gonna, cause the, 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 you know, the carrot on the end of the stick for me was it's going to get distribution. I knew it was a witchcraft movie and all that, but it was going to get distribution. It was going to be in video stores and it was going to have my name on it. So I was like, F yeah, you know, like, or fuck yeah, I can curse. I forgot that. I can't, sorry. (laughs) Say whatever, Uh, man. Yeah. I'm on, I'm, I'm still on kid mode. I got to switch over. Um, (laughs) so I was like, you know, of course this sounds like a great deal. And, um, so, what they were told to, to sort of circle around to the original question, as far as I knew, David Sterling never came into the picture, although I did hear his name. Uh, I just, for whatever reason, he wasn't involved with this one. Um, but Jerry told them, he was like, all you need to have is have Will Spanner, have some witches. The witches have to get naked. There's got to be some sex and there needs to be chanting. Like, <laughs> that is the weirdest request I've ever right, heard. Right. Oh, and there was there was a weirder one that came later, but we'll get to that. But okay. I mean, literally, they sent like they called me and told me this in their Chicago accents, and I thought they were joking. They're like, "Hey, chanting. There needs to be chant." And I'm like, "Nah, you got to really." Ch-. He's like, "Yeah, there needs to be chanting." So, okay, fine chanting it is. So most of that stuff, I mean, they kind of handled. They just put in the script, so I wouldn't have to worry about fitting that stuff in, you know, they would just kind of write in the scenes. Um, but then we kind of, when we got into the first edit, I sent them the rough, the rough cut of the, the first version and Jerry wanted, he wanted more sex. He wanted us to, and he goes, can the, can the witches do Kung Fu? <laughs> uh, because, and I get, cause this is around the mate. I mean, matrix stuff was still, 
popular all those you know third or fourth generation versions of that movie were still coming out he's like and whenever so i I gotta do my jerry pfeiffer voice because i've never met the guy but i picture him as like a standard cigar chomping like typical hollywood producer absolutely yeah so i just imagine him smoking a cigar and going ah the witches need to do some kung fu can you add that the kids love it you know (laughs) so (laughs) so and i'm like we shot we, we were done like plus none of these people can do kung fu like i cast most of them just because they're willing to show their boobs you know what yeah, i mean exactly exactly so, so now you want me to figure out how to do I, I don't know what to do with it so a lot of it like i'd get notes and i'm i would just sit there and go i don't even know what to do with this like i, I don't know how to make this work like a couple of things we went back and did like we shot the that uh, where, Ro- where uh, Roxy's character is making out with Anjanette in the bed, like with all yeah. the blood. We shot all that stuff later because that was like one of the only ways where I was like, let me try to add some sex in that doesn't really mess with anything else, you know, because sure. we'd shot everything else. So, um, yeah, I mean, the mandates were, it, there were mandates that were witchcraft related mandates, but if we got, you know, we got some interesting curveballs, I guess, <laughs> as we went along. I'm surprised uh, from what I've heard, uh, editorial was taken away from the vast majority of the directors. Yeah. When you I was listening to your your other podcasts and I heard that and they it was never I mean, they kind of had there were suggestions made where I had to switch around stuff. And that's that accounts for a lot of the weird day to night stuff. Some of that is totally. But honestly, some of it's totally my fault, too. I'll be I'll admit it. I can't say anything. I have day for night in my movies too. So, <laughs> right. It, it so, happened. It happened. but, um, uh, but other than that, I mean, it never happened. They let me cut the movie. And then towards the end, when things got antagonistic, they were almost forcing me to cut the movie just to get more out of me. I think because I had kind of called them on whatever criminal stuff was going on. Oh my God. So, but I, and I expected when I sit, when they, when I finally sent them the hard drive that they would do something to it, at least chop it up or add stuff or whatever, but they never did. I think they're all, I mean, they're just too lazy to do it. Um, (laughs) honestly to go like add new stuff or change it. The one thing that happened. And I think, I think this was just because of apathy is that, um, when they did the DVD releases, they're way darker than the actual movie is. That was definitely something that we made note of because I don't know if it was, it must've been the transfer of the copy that we had. It was just entirely way too dark. I was going to ask you, which, which version did you get? Do you remember, did it come off a compilation or was it the original? Yeah, it was an echo bridge. Yeah. That one is even worse than the original. I actually have them all, honestly, (laughs) which it's like they're with my weird albatrosses that I hang around my neck. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, the, uh, I don't know if you ever saw the first ver- and it's funny because when I posted on my Facebook about me doing this interview within the first three comments and messages I got were, Oh man, are they ever going to make a real DVD of it? That doesn't look like garbage. <laughs> Good luck so, on that one. Right. If, yeah. If it's up to those dudes. No. Yeah. Cause I don't know if you ever saw the, the actual witchcraft 13 release, the one that was in Hollywood video, I actually went and rented it because I'm like, no matter what happened, this is my movie that got in a video store. Yeah, I want to go yeah. see it. I pop it into the, dvd player and the menu quote unquote air quotes is the old old roxio toast to um just default menu screen oh oh my god like you know where it's gray with like folder icons or whatever yes yeah so so that oh. that pretty much that 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 tells you exactly you know what was going on with this movie honestly that sums it up perfectly and then when we started playing it yeah it's, it's at least 
a stop and a half, two stops darker than oh, what absolutely. we shot. Yeah, absolutely. The, that intro scene where uh, that guy and that girl go into the house at night—it's yeah. almost—it's rendered unintelligible. Yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, totally. And we, yeah, that's—it just kind of pisses me off because I'm like, well, you know, it, you we fought so hard on a lot of different ways, on a lot of different things to like get this movie out there. I guess why not at least get it out there with some degree of care, especially if you're going to get it out you know, to a relatively wide audience. Right. But, the, you know, I just give a shit. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, I don't want to make everything about me, 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 but like in a way, maybe it's a, it was a stab at me to like make, put out a shitty thing or a shittier thing. <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? Just because it's of that. It's hard much. not to think that, yeah, you know, yeah. when you put your blood, sweat and tears into something and then you, it finally gets released, you, that whole weight is taken off you when you finally deliver that fucker and yeah. then you get it and something's wrong. That happened with the first release of our movie a swamp head where i got the a copy of it and popped it in and then the audio was only coming out one of the speakers uh yeah and this was that you can get go on wild eye releasing site buy that and that's what's fucking there oh, and man. we spent so many years working on that, that stupid sucks. movie yeah, it sucks. So I can totally understand that. Now, yeah. how much money, if you're willing to talk about it, how much money budget wise were you given to make this movie? So, okay, we'll, we'll go through the actual conversation that came along with Dolinsky's offering this to me. So they, they were like, hey, would you do a witchcraft movie? And I said, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, it's going to get distribution. Yeah, that sounds sounds good. And, and I said, well, what's the budget? And they go, OK, it's three thousand dollars. <laughs> and I said, uh, three thousand dollars okay when well, you know of course the gears in my head kind of stuck for a second you know yeah, i was like course. how are we gonna how are we gonna do that but at the time i was like well maybe they'll write it down to that or whatever and also the first feature that i did that played in the festivals with the walensky's movie it, i made that for three hundred dollars you know so sure. that might be why they you know why they also why they thought to ask me but it was also a different sort of thing you know it was very much it's not my dinner with Andre, but it was that kind of thing where it's like, there wasn't much to it. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't something like a witchcraft film where you're going to be doing, at least trying to do some things. Um, so anyway, I said, okay, well, all right, we can maybe, we can make this work. I'll make it work. I'm freaking bright eyed and bushy tailed. I'm eager to do it. $3,000 sounds great. When are you guys going to send me the budget? And they said, oh, well, that's the other thing. You have to front the $3,000. Oh then, my God. Yeah. And then, you know, when the movie's done, we'll pay you back. Oh, and you still went through with it. I did because, well, I probably would have, even if I didn't know these guys that well, because again, I was, you know, I was green and eager, but Dude, that, that sounds like highway robbery. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, it gets, it gets worse. <laughs> but, um, the, here's the thing though, that it, these dudes, I mean, when I say they were my buddies, they were my buddies. Yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, you know, we had essentially been in a band together, I guess that's the best way I can put it. So they weren't going to gonna fuck you over at least. Right. Yeah. In my mind. Cause we had hung, I mean, they came to my wedding, you know, like we had hung out like the, and again, I, like I told you, they flew me out there for a month, you know, to shoot their movie and you, you know what I mean? And, and then brought through this opportunity at me. So, and up to this point, they were stand up guys, you know what I yeah. mean? Like I had yeah. no issue with them They were, And they were also really cool. Like I could never really see this happening with them. So, um, you know, with all that said, I was like, yeah, you know, I had my, I definitely had my, um, reservations about like maybe Jerry sending them the money, 
you know, or something like that, because I'd heard all those Hollywood horror stories. Of you know course, what I mean? Of course. You know what I mean? But I was, I figured 3000 bucks, you know, I'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Let's try to get this movie done. Right. At least it's not that much money, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it was basically my tax return plus a little savings. But at the same time, remember, you know, we're also about to get married, my wife and I. So it wasn't all these tight. You can, right. It yeah. was easy, but it was easier than it might've been, you know, but it wasn't, that easy it was still pretty tough but again i told melanie about it and she knew these guys too you know so she's like yeah do it you should do it we should do it but they, then we're like how are we gonna do this for three thousand dollars right so so especially when you want to have naked people in a movie right and when i get the script they'd written in this cave location you know and i was <laughs> yep. like you know I, I live in houston you know there's no fucking caves here but but because I didn't want to do what they do in all the other movies where they like just put some brown craft paper up in a garage. Oh my God. I was like, let me see if I could find a cave that would let us shoot in there. And we did, you know, we found a cave in uh, near, near Fiesta, Texas, near San Antonio that let us go shoot in there. And uh, I think it's because the owner was kind of like pervy and he was just into seeing topless of course, of course. <laughs> but hey, there's, whatever, there's man. some fucking yeah, angle. Yeah, man. totally, totally. But, you know, so honestly, when we got when we figured out that was the deal i said okay here's what's happening we have three thousand dollars i'm going to use that to pay for the actual movie and pay the people in the movie i'm not going to take any payment for me my payment is the movie itself getting out there and my name being on it right so my me and then like the four main guys that were like my crew which were friends of mine that had sort except for one guy they were friends of mine that uh i'd been doing this with for a while we kind of just decided to eat it and we'd do it you know just to get the film done and then i made you know the point was to pay the actors and stuff because again you have girls getting naked and you know uh tim had to take off work because he actually had a real job you know then and so we just had to make it work for everybody were but you supposed to get any money on the back end, like uh, a percentage of the in, or I mean, was it just the three thousand dollars and that was it? It was at the beginning. It was just the three thousand dollars and that was it. Uh, when I, if I remember correctly, when I turned in the first cut, they then they started talking about maybe giving me money on the back end. Hmm. If I did a lot of the things they were asking for, you know, kind of like extortion type. Well, sure. Yeah, you know, we'll get all on your time, right? right? Right, totally. And so, um, and uh, then they, uh, then when things got hairy and pe- they started turning people against me, uh, <clears throat> I know this sounds paranoid, but it will all make sense. Um, <laughs> they started offering those people chunks of the movie to lie and say bullshit about me. So yeah, it got it got really pretty messy pretty fast and then at the end when it got uh, when we, we actually kind of did get up to the point of suing them because fortuitously once I got once we finished that and I was fighting them for the money I had already sort of started working on my next movie which was Closet Space and the produce the three producers of that movie with me were all lawyers so they were like you know we'll help you put a stake in that vampire if you want. <laughs> so they helped me sort of litigate to get paid for witchcraft. Um, but that's still money out of your pocket for lawyers though, right? 
they did it doing it pro bono. They did it pro bono because what it, what happened in addition, my dumbass, we you know we you, we used the three thousand dollars and then you know I spent more money out of my own pocket, so I ended up spending probably like forty five hundred maybe. They knew that was going to happen, right? Because at you know once you get in it, once the train leaves the station you just want to make a good movie or is the best movie you can, you know what I mean? So we're like, we had to, we had to go back to the cave because just people were, there was all kinds, in addition to all this other behind the, like behind the scenes, producery shady shit, there's the normal behind the scenes, actory shady shit that's going on and people are fucking each other and getting mad at each other and, you know, pilled out and you know what I mean? And going crazy. And the, the director, the key grip and the uh, best boy are all in love with the same girl and they're all being pissed off at one another about, you know what I mean? So all that stuff is slowing us down. So we, and it all kind of came to a head the first weekend at the cave and not that anything really blew up. It just kind of slowed us down a lot. And uh, so we had to get another weekend at the cave, which of course had to pay for, you know what I mean? But we had to do it. You know, because I otherwise to finish the movie, right? Or I would the other option would have been going to shoot in the carport and put up some craft paper, right? (laughs) But I didn't want to do that, you know. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I ended up for a few for a few different reasons. I ended up paying out of my pocket a little bit. Um, So I did. I mean, I still, you know, we got the we eventually got them to pay us because what what happened i guess was um when i got the movie finished i i you know i i submitted it to him and i said hey okay well here's the movie when are you going to send me the check and they're like well just send it send us the movie and we'll send you the check no, and i said no, no, no i wasn't no, no. I know you've gotten a lot out of me, but I wasn't born yesterday. I know you guys are my bros or whatever, but this is the buck stops here. So just send me the $3,000. It was, it was like payback, the Mel Gibson movie where I was like, I don't even want the money extra, the extra money I spent. I just want the $3,000 we agreed on. I want the deal that we agreed on. That's all right. Right. I'm in the hole for this. I understand that that's the price of me getting that credit. So, um, but then they wouldn't. And so once they knew I wouldn't budge on sending them, the film, they actually told the actors who were owed more money at this point because we had shot longer, you know, and I was just going to use the, the, you know, the extra money to, to pay them off, uh, the money that was coming in. They went and told the actors that they had already sent me the money and I had spent it all. Oh Christ. And that started this whole crazy domino effect where, you know, some of the girls were like, Oh, well, you know, and we didn't even ever really agree to get naked, you know, and which they had all and they had signed. Well, you had to, they had to sign releases, right? Right, right. Exactly. So, so it, it started turning into this weird thing. And then, you know, people that are already nuts started going even more nuts and they, they approached him and tried to get him to turn on me. And he never did, which is why I stole my buddy. Um, but, you know, at a certain point I told Tim, I was like, Tim, who plays Will Spanner for those listening? And because I said, you know, he has the most besides me, he has the most to lose or gain, you know, cause he's the star of the movie. Of course. So I said, Tim, this is becoming such a pain in the ass. <coughs> what, well, what, what they did was they said, if you don't send us the money, if you don't send us the movie by Monday, we will, we will bury your movie and then sh- go shoot our own witchcraft 13. And I said, okay, good luck. You know, <laughs> have right, fun with right. that. And I, and I told Tim, I was like, are you okay with that? Because 
you know, it's something we did that you're the star of that may never get out there. And he's like, fuck those guys. So I said, okay, we're going to bury it. So I, I emailed them back the next day and I said, okay, uh, I'm not sending your movie, sending you the movie, have fun doing your own version. I look forward to seeing it. And they were like, well, the deal has changed. We still need your movie. So I basically <laughs> called their bluff. You know, they didn't want to do it. Well, you had a finished movie. Right. Exactly. So, so it, and it, it just turned into this, it just turned into this quagmire and they, they started making personal assaults to me where it's like every once I brought lawyers into it, they, you know, the, the communication started to go through email and through documents. And in every document they sent to me for like details on what they needed delivered so that they could put the money in escrow or whatever. Um, it, there were personal attacks, you know, that needless, just like maybe Mr. Hey, House needs crap, to be right. Right. To, and it was basically, cause I was like, look, <laughs> you need to get them to spell out exactly what they want on this delivery uh, copy because I'm not going to give them any inch to say it was wrong and have me do the work all over again. Right. So they had to be very, very specific. And I guess the specificity pissed them off or maybe they didn't know what I was asking for. And they were like, well, maybe Mr. House needs to go back to film school if he doesn't know how to do a proper, you know, audio delivery on a feature film or whatever. And I was like, no, you just need to tell me the specs because I'm not going to do it three times. Why is that so hard? Like I don't, I've run into this so many times delivering films where it just like, like, all I need to know is what file form. Right. I don't know, man. <laughs> what I, bit rate? Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't get it. It's what we do for it as a profession. Come yeah. on now. I don't get it. And yeah, it's, it, it was, it was just a mess. And adding on to a lot of the torment of all this was, um, I don't even, yeah, there's, there, there's no mention of this out there. I don't think it might've come up in one of the stories, but the second time we went to the cave we went and shot we shot out everything we were so happy we got done early right and uh so we're actually like oh my god we're finished and we we start climb we have to climb like uh i think it's eight stories of stairs worth to get out to get in Holy and out of this cave gear and everything with gear yeah so we all get out we get up there we get ready to load up the car the trucks and someone runs up to me and they're like hey Anjanette, who played one of the witches they're like she can't see and I said, what do you mean she can't see? And they're like, she's blind. And what had happened was, long story short, she had kept her contacts in, the, the red witch contacts. Oh. And the, the cave produced CO2. So it basically shut down some receptors in her eyes to where it like literally blinded her. And not not permanently, but so. Just for the time being. But, yeah. but still, we didn't know at the time it wasn't. So that final night when we thought we had just freaking got out of jail free we had ambulances had to come all the way out to this cave oh. you know and like she had to rush the emergency room we ended my wife and i ended up having to drive her home to dallas because of course she couldn't drive of course you know? and then you know there's this sort of th that was around when things had already kind of started to get a little weird honestly because the money hadn't shown up yet yeah so <clears throat> that kind of, th that informed a lot of people's reaction to what was going on. And they're like, almost making it sound like I did it on purpose. Like I'm like, like you were I negligent and so right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you know, so it, that, but you know, she, Anjanette, once they, once the doctors told her what was up and they're like, your eyes are just starved of oxygen. You need to rest. You know, she had to have, you know, her head wrapped up for like three days. Oh, sure. Uh, but after that she was fine. And, um, but at the same time, I'm like, so once everything went, you know, shithouse crazy about the money, uh, you know, we were like, is she going to come back and try to sue us now? Because, you know, we blind, you know what I mean? All that stuff comes up. Right? Was there insurance on the production? No, not on that one. 
boy that yeah, yeah that could have come back hard <laughs> yeah and that, that was the first thing i thought i was like i you know i freaked out <clears throat> and but um and it's one of the reasons why i make sure everybody has it now but um yeah that was uh that was like one of the definitely the scariest moments of my life um but yeah, so, you know, they, it took a while. We fought for like a year and a half and we actually, there was a, there was a film festival. I think it was Erie Horror Fest up in uh, near you, I think, um, that we found out they had, sub, they had sort of pre-submitted the movie to premiere at and had taken all of our names off of, and they, they put like their name as director, producer, writer, well, writer they deserve cause they wrote it, but they had pulled all of our names off of it and only put their names. And it just turns, it turns out that the guy that was running the film festival knew Tim from college or something. Sure. And he asked him about it and Tim was like, Nope, these guys are, these guys are crooks. You know, you need to pull that movie. So once they pulled the movie from the, from the festival, that kind of started the shit storm. And um, yeah, that's kind of how, that's kind of how it all ended. I mean, it was a, it turned into a big money fight and, uh, I mean, it demolished those friendships, of course, of course. And, but I, and I never, I still do not know if the criminal stuff was like their idea as far as like not paying me or not paying us. Yeah. 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 Or if it would came from Jerry or what, cause I'd heard not, I mean, maybe not that aggressive of stories about the other stuff, but I'd heard stuff that was kind of shady for sure. So I wouldn't have, it wouldn't have surprised me, but you know, uh, but yeah, it, it turned into a big mess. <laughs> That's so unfortunate, but I keep hearing this and, and I, I'm really glad you came on in order to because we all sit and wonder how these movies got cranked out and so many of them got cranked out. And it was obvious by just watching them and knowing how films are made, that these were made for next to nothing. And then talking to people, nobody really wanted to come out. And I'm sure some of it was because, you know, they don't want kickback. They don't want, you yeah. know, things to happen to them. But I was hearing things and obviously take it for whatever it's worth could be hearsay could be whatever that there have been movies produced through those production companies for 250 dollars oh yeah it wouldn't it would not surprise me (laughs) i'm like well that's like craft services for lunch like what do you do with that yeah i yeah it, it 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 definitely is a uh, is a business model that I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to. <laughs> <laughs> Not if you want to continue to like put your name on something and right. get legitimate work. Right. Know. Exactly. And then I started, you know, once we, I, I guess once we were into it and there was another site that sort of did, it was a, it was a web blog and I can't remember the guy's name, but he did another, he did a marathon watch of all of them. And, but it was, oh. it was before 13 came out. It was sort of in that period, I think where, we were fighting about the money sure. and um, I just, he had actually <coughs> interviewed a few of them, a few of the people. And I don't know if they were lying or whatever, but like the guy that did part 10 said he got $12,000, I think. And I'm like, 12,000, are you kidding me? Like I would have given them the witchcraft Titanic, <laughs> you know, for that, for that much money. You know what I mean? Well, like, I have a feeling the reason why he probably said that is because all of the movies up until I believe, I think, 
one or two before you came on were shot on film. Yeah. I think nine is the last one that was. Um, yeah. And, and, and also I'm like, well, because 10 is the one that happens in London, I think. Yeah. So, so I'm, so I'm like, well, did they just pay for everybody's tickets to get everyone? You know, that's, that's probably, you know, probably including the cost. Um, but yeah. And I think even, I don't remember how much Brad said he got, uh, but I do remember he wouldn't say anything about it. Okay. I remember on this, on this website, I believe they mentioned a number and it was more than we got. And I was just like, man, Oh, like what they expect? Like, what's the end game here? You know, like when you get to $250 or, you know, what's after that? You know, well, like, they obviously, well, this is obviously my thoughts is they're just looking to churn a product and right. try and maximize, you know, their overhead. You know, they're right. just trying to get as much money on, on the back end that they possibly can and not have to put anything in. I mean, these new ones, I had heard that they, I mean, obviously it's on our episode that three movies cost $8,000. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. I don't know what you can do with that. Yeah, I do know. I don't know if you, well, I guess you, there's no no way you would know this, but they actually called Tim and asked him to be in, in it as Will Spanner again. Hmm. And I don't know, I don't know who called him, um, but he was like, Hey, the witchcraft guys called me because of, and I was like, what? That was how I first heard about them doing the new ones. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, they offered me 50 bucks and I had to say no. <laughs> 50 bucks <laughs> yeah holy shit yeah so i was like well that's not surprising unfortunately oh my god i mean yeah. when he looks back on this what does he have to say about this movie um about the same i mean he he definitely is more you know he, ta- he it's more of like a just a funny fuck up of the past to him i guess sure. because he didn't have to deal with a lot of the other crap you know that we but uh, he actually, he actually asked if I could bring him on. He's in LA, you know, or he's like, can I come on with you and talk about it? Dude, I would love to have him on. If okay. You, if you I'll, I'll, I'll hook you guys up. Contact info. Absolutely. Yeah. I'd love okay. to talk. Cause I'd, I'd like to hear his sort of just, we have, cause he and I haven't, even though I've spent so much time with the guy since then. And I, I actually have lived at his house, like while I was out there working on stuff, Sure, but we just never, it's like, you know, the thing you never talk about. <laughs> Do not speak its name. Right. Exactly. So, it just because it he when he knows he knows how it screwed up our life and i mean even down to our wedding like a lot of those people that were involved because it happened right around that time all those people that worked on the movie including the walensky's were all at our wedding so i mean to this day i haven't edited our wedding video because i can't stand to look at it because of those people i can't that's too bad you know what i mean like so there's there's a whole chunk of the people that were there that i'm just i just want to kill um so we just don't talk about it very much so i'd love to hear I would love to hear his version of things like sort of on very much on the inside, but kind of on the outside, because that was the first time he and I really worked together too. Like sure. I knew, I knew him. He, he's, he was a very, uh, working theater actor here in Houston. And, um, I just thought, I was like, oh, he's pretty Will Spannery, you know, cause we had just watched all the stuff. Oh, he's very charming in the, yeah. Film. And, um, and I also knew that he wouldn't have a problem, you know, being, you know, having sexy time. So, <laughs> so, so, um, yeah, but you know, that forged our friendship, honestly. And we've been friends since then, you know, and worked on several things together too. But, uh, yeah, he, I'm sure he'd love to talk to you about it. He, he's still, he's still working actor out in LA. Um, 
Uh, I'll definitely send you his info or get you hook you guys do. up. Yeah, please do. I'd love to talk to him about it. This is, I, I want to ask you uh, another question real quick here. Sure. Uh, before we let you go. Um, this is an angle that you never really hear much people talk about, but what did your wife have to say going through all of this? <laughs> okay. So this, she was, she was the one that was probably the most adamant about you need to show the titties. You know what I mean? Like she, she, she was the one that was like, what, what do you mean? She won't take her shirt off. She agreed to that shit. That's what this, you, you know, and she was cracking that whip. Huh? Yeah, totally. And at a certain point I almost, because she's an actress too. That's how I know her. That's oh, okay. how I met her. And she's, you know, she's very good. So at one point I was, you know, we were trying to find people to do this that would also be willing to do that stuff. I'm like, Melanie, please, are you sure? I mean, <laughs> I know, I know this maybe may haunt you later, but are you sure you wouldn't do it because you would blow some of these people out of the water? Um, but you know, obviously it was just not what she wanted to do at the time. So, of course. uh, but she, again, she was there and she knew what it all involved. It never got weird. Um, she was also, I made a point to have her around whenever we did, anything like that, even the odd, cause I mean the auditions, we would audition people. And then like, when I kind of had my selects, we honestly had to get to a point where I'm like, okay, you need to come over and I need to see you topless. Um, which I know sounds weird, but I have to know, I don't want to be surprised by, uh, you know, some weird, something weird. Well, also at the same time, then it, then you know that they're serious, that they're right. going to do this because once you get on set, I've, I've had this happen to myself. I'm sure you've had it happen. People sign contracts knowing what they're getting into. Then all of a sudden they get on set. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. That just, I mean, that just happened on the Pendulette movie. I mean, literally I thought as soon as that started happening, I was like, it's witchcraft all over again, Oh, oh man, you know, because it was, that was the whole point of the film was, you know, that these, it's a titty flick. Yeah. It's a titty flick. And that's part of what people look for when you sell it, unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, but that's part of the, the sale, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I made a point to have her around and it's kind of like a mitigating factor to any sexual assault lawsuits and, but it never got it. Honestly, it never got really that weird until like the money stuff kind of started to come up and the, the producers started sort of like stirring the pot and, and then, then it just started going downhill. Yeah. Then it started going downhill, but uh, yeah, Melanie was super supportive the whole time. And um, yeah, my, she, she was, she was down to make the, you know, the 13th with witchcraft movie. I don't know what else I could say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, bit, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, go I was gonna say, one way, one way that she was the ultimate way she was supportive, I think is like I mentioned earlier is like we, they sent us all the mo all but nine because they, at the time nine was hard to find. Um, they sent us all the movies in a box to, and they're like, here, watch them all. And so we had to, uh, basically we would hunker down and take them like two or three at a time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she, and, and she was like, made sure to watch them all with me. And I told her, I was like, I can't do this alone. I'm going to go, go insane. I, I need a support system here. Please. Right. Right. <laughs> I remember us cracking up with, um, I guess it's part eight where the people start fucking in the food. Like, that. Oh my God, that <laughs> yeah. is one of the most repulsive things. <laughs> yeah. That's all. That's a fond memory for me. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she was there by my side through all of those movies. And at the end, I remember us looking at each other and going, are we still saying, <laughs> are we still going to do this? Giddy up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So, uh, so go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No. I just want to remember that moment because that definitely was a, a crucible. 
<laughs> early on in our relationship. Well, you know, you're with the right person. Yeah, that totally. Point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, when you look back and let's let's go ahead and push aside all of the nonsense. Let's push sure. aside all of the drama. When you look back at the movie itself, it sounds like there other than a few reshoots here and there, there wasn't a whole lot of tampering that went on. No. Um, how do you when you look back at it, what do you think of it? Uh, you know, the thing is, it's hard for me to, it's so hard for me to separate all that. And I try so, so much, but all, all I see is, all I see is bullshit, you know, like the, the, the move, the stuff that doesn't have anything to do with what's on the screen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, but, but and here's another way that Melanie kind of comes in and is, is sort of like my, my anchor, um, you know, she kind of can look at it and go, okay, well, we made a lot of mistakes and, you know, you got, we got drugged through the ringer, but you know, here are things that I think we did successfully, you know, with, within the limitations we had. Right. And, you know, this is what I like about it. This is what I, you know, and, and there are, honestly, there are things that I do on when I shoot stuff now that I know I learned during that witchcraft shoot. So, I mean, it did definitely form, you know, some of my technique and, you know, teach me some lessons, I guess, of how to go about things, especially that final scene down in the cave, you know, the big oh, battle. Yeah. And now we, we always call that like every movie we do seems to have some sort of a weird hive chamber scene. That's what we call it because <laughs> that witchcraft had one closet space had one psychic experiment had on the pendulum movie had one, you know, like for whatever reason, but that was, you know, that was the first time I shot anything big like that with a bunch of different people and there's action happening and you know, remembering eye lines and things like that. So it's stuff like that. I can look back on and go, I'm proud of that because while I don't really, I'm not really necessarily happy with how it turned out on this. It definitely taught me how to do it better. Seeing this definitely taught me how to do it better the next time. You know what I mean? Of course. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, but honestly, like I told you, I was going to try to watch the movie again to try to remember stuff. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I started it and it started to make my stomach hurt. And uh, like, I got, you know, I got IBS <laughs> and I, started, I got cold sweats. Like you I really, PSD, dude, I do. I do. <laughs> I honestly do. I just could not handle it. So unfortunately I couldn't really look at, I couldn't really revisit it with sort of a, an older eye. Right. Because I, I'm, I'm still not ready. <laughs> I don't know when I will be or if I ever will be. Well, that's too bad, man. It, it sucks when you hear stuff like that. And unfortunately a lot of low budget, filmmaking like this especially ex exploitation filmmaking there's a lot of stories like that out there and yeah. it just seems like the witchcraft films in particular have a huge cloud <laughs> that surrounds yeah. them yeah and uh one last question I had, uh, one sure. of the people that uh, joined us on those episodes, um, Scott Davis, he had posted in our private group um, some questions to ask sure. you. And he had one that I, I know you didn't write it, but if you were able to continue on with that storyline that you had where Will Spanner at the end of that film, um, he kind of he had... Uh, Let's just say he had the sexy time with his sister. Right. And and then all of a sudden he was almost shown like he was going to turn to the dark side. Right. Where do you see that thing going? And I, from there? we actually did have conversations about this. Um, I remember what they, and what I, I think you guys mentioned it on your podcast. If I'm not mistaken, it was, it was shockingly close to, I think what they were thinking is that they were going to have will kind of turn bad a little bit or, or be more of an anti-hero uh, sure. even more so, I guess. And, and that uh, Lutz and Garner were going to be 
the hero, the, the, you know, the main characters, uh, tracking down their buddy basically. Um, and I think that's what they planned to do. Um, but it never got, I mean, we're talking like we had a conversation once about it up in Chicago when they were just kind of brainstorming, Oh, you know, this would be cool if, um, so I don't know, honestly, I don't know if they even thought past that final shot. Yeah. I think, I think they were just like, this would be a cool image at the end. Let's just do that. Um, because my, my gut instinct is if, if, if everything had worked out well and we had ended up doing 14, it would have just started like 13. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, well, all that happened. Did we'll learn anything? No. No, it's just a news story same shit right right exactly because i i think that that would i think that if we tried to make will bad or whatever i don't think i think they they wouldn't have been down with it pfeiffer and those guys um because i they were pretty protective of very specific things about the ip <laughs> that is so weird when yeah. you watch the movies they, it clearly wasn't a priority yeah 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 it was uh it was an interesting thing to to deal with and then just deal with deal with the filtered someone's filtered version of someone's mandate you know yeah and, and honestly i do give i think from the little little pieces i did interact with jerry um not indirectly i mean indirectly uh i do give the walensky's credit for being that buffer because i think it would have been pretty insane <laughs> <laughs> like having to having to deal with all that sure. um, some of the things he was asking for because I, I honestly i still am not i still cannot remember how we got around the kung fu thing because that was something he was not <laughs> letting up on he wanted there to be kung fu fighting so that well i gotta say everything's better with kung fu fighting mel yeah yeah it, <laughs> of course it is I, I remember another thing that was kind of weird was uh, and you know fallon if she ever listens to this she's gonna she's gonna cringe but the girl that plays his um secretary fallon yeah, yeah. like we i mean i knew from the beginning that she would never bear all but she's kind of cute so i was like maybe we'll get her yeah, some lingerie and i told her that i was like look I feel bad. I don't want to have you do a full on sex scene, but I, you know, I think it'd be sexy if you do this. And she was down with that. But of course, when they saw it in LA, they were like, Hey, can you get that secretary girl naked? We'd love to see her. Of course. And I'm like, Oh God, my skin is crawling. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know all of us kind of expected it to happen yeah. the way it's presented. Right. You know, she's coming on to him. And for the first time in the entire series, Will Spanner turns down some play. Yeah. It was, right. It was very unexpected. That was one. Uh, that was one reason why the scene with Roxy with the hanging jackhammer went on so long because we were like, we're like, uh, we're like, uh, I was like, okay, we haven't really given them anything yet. Let's just make this one real. Because honestly, at that point, I'm like, let's just, I'll give them what he, what they want, but I don't want to make it all about boobs if I can avoid it. So let me just like front load it, and then maybe we'll be okay for like thirty minutes. Rock. <laughs> <laughs> at that time was be, she was in a ton of movies how was she to work with initially cool but honestly she's one of the main ones that like flipped the fuck out you oh, know and it got bad. it got cr- i mean it got crazy and you know it, it turned a lot of it turned a lot of people in the like local film scene you know against me because that's you know she was you said yourself she was in a lot of movies she was subsequently in all those movies with these people that she told that I'd stole all, you know, she told them basically what the Walensky's told her. So I was like, you know, persona non grata 
for a long time. And, you know, now it's, what's funny is that just within the last couple of years, like I'll go to conventions and, you know, still speak or they'll ask me to do panels or whatever. And most of those people have come up to me and apologized which is kind yeah, of nice. Awesome. Yeah. I'm yeah, like, awesome. yeah, I'm like, yeah, kiss the ring. You know, <laughs> but it, it's nice. It's not, it's nice to get some sort of, you know, uh, retribution, I guess, because it's so frustrating. Cause what do you do? Like when you're the person that is trying to do the right thing and I, and I, what I kept trying to tell them was I'm trying to fight for your fucking money. I'm not even taking any of this, you know, I'm paying right, you guys, right. Yeah, but, but you know, still everybody believes the hot chick that'll show her tits. So of course, so that, you know, it did kind of screw up my life. Um, but you know, what's done is done. And it, it honestly hasn't affected too much of what I'm doing now, if at all, you know, the, if anybody even notices on my resume, they go, ah, oh, that's must've been, that's must've been crazy. Yeah. Can I hear that story? Exactly. And now, <laughs> now I can direct them to your podcast. Um, awesome. Well, what shocked me when I initially heard, um, when I had found that comment that I had said, I found on uh, dreadcentral.com where you had said the budget was yeah. you had a lot of locations, a lot of setups. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what surprised me about this movie is that, Unlike some of the other movies, I know, I know Brad also had a lot of setups um, that the movie like you had really tried to make this look cinematic. Yeah. And I did. And that was the I mean, that was the point, I guess, because I, I really did approach it from the beginning. I was like, God damn it, I'm going to do a witchcraft movie, but we're going to try to do the best damn one we can do, you know, whatever that means. Sure. But and a big reason that we were able to do all that a huge reason is because we did it in Texas and here, especially in Houston, you know, there people are still sort of starry eyed about the whole glamor of, of making a film, uh, you know, so you can go into, or even the cave guys, you know, you can tell them you're shooting a movie and they'll give it to you pretty cheaply for like all night. They, their only thing was like, don't get blood on the walls, which of course, like when Anjanette's squibs go off, blood went all over the walls. Of course they did. But they were like, well, we'll just flood it tonight and it'll be fine. I'm like, you could flood the cave. You never told me about this. We could have worked that in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but uh, they, uh, you know, a lot of that, like the bars and stuff, you, none of that cost money really. You know, it was just like, Hey, we're going to come shoot. When is the best time to do it? Uh, we won't be in your way. And they're all like, Oh, you're going to do a movie. Come on in. You guys want drinks, you know, you need some free food. So, I mean, really like, like I said, like the three grand was to pay for some pay for food, pay for supplies and pay the people. Of course. <laughs> I mean, I you know, this, the, the cave cost a bit too. So, but. Yeah. I bet you most of your crew were probably volunteer as well. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the only person, uh, the, the special effects girl, you know, we had to give her money for, um, supplies and stuff and we paid her a sure. little bit. Um, but yeah, other than that, yeah, it was, uh, it was just, just a lot easier easier to get away with a lot of that here. Like I actually just, I just shot f some videos for my friend, Jeff Caudle, who's a musician. And he, uh, we were going to do some video. We were actually, I was actually going to go to LA and shoot the videos for the guy, but I talked him into coming here and doing it. And over one weekend, we ended up shooting like, you know, four different videos at like six different locations for $0. You know what I mean? So, yeah. and he's the whole time he kept saying, he's like, I can't even, if you had tried to do this in LA, like you know, we would have been shut down five minutes in. I said, I know Absolutely. that's why, that's why I shoot stuff here because I work on stuff in LA and I know how complicated it is to shoot stuff there. You know, you have to permit everything, including yeah. your own front yard. So, so yeah, that's, that's one reason why I do stuff 
try to do a lot of stuff here in Texas. It's just, you know, you get more bang for your buck. It's the same way up here, man. Yeah. It's, it's always shocking to people, even people in, in Chicago that come up and shoot for with us up here. It's like, no, we're not paying for any of this. Yeah. Just get a camera out and get some lights and let's let's fucking rock this thing. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What did you post this on? Because I've always been curious because we made reference in the in the episode about um, some of the effects work that was in this did you do oh, all that no no that was this guy he did and he was he did it voluntarily like he just wanted the experience to and his name on something um he did most it's got the guy's name is russell russell baldonado um and i just met him he was a friend of the dps um and he uh he did it all in after effects if i remember correctly at least at least 70% of it was after effects i i don't think he i really don't think he used anything else but um most of the stuff he would communicate with me about, I know for a fact was after effects. Um, so he did all that. And initially it's funny. Like when I saw think there are always things that remind me of this damn movie, no matter how I try to get away from it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, it's fine. It's part, it's, it's part of me now. Uh, but when, you know, dot, when I saw Dr. Strange, like the way they sort of did like the runes around his hands and stuff, yeah. that's initially, we were going to try to do something crazy like that, but it just became, you know, it wouldn't look right, you know, at the time with the time that we had. So we set it on just like the typical, just like cheap fireball stuff. Right. Right. But like but, the particle effects generators. Right, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that, so that was all Russell and he did it all, you know, gratis. Uh, and he did the intro too, like with the burning, uh, the pentagram thing. Yes. The first one that didn't have that <laughs> shitty cold stock. Yeah. The still. still frame. Yeah. <laughs> that was my one fear that they would replace that. That would, that would be the cut they made. They'd replace that with the uh, still frame. I'm not uh, shitting you, Mel. They're in the new ones. All three <laughs> of the new ones. Of course they are. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. And then I posted, uh, I ed- at the time I was editing on Premiere. Like I went from, I went from Premiere to Final Cut and now I'm back on Premiere. Yeah. So uh, at the time it was Premiere. Yeah. Are you guys were, you guys are busting my chops about the uh, set design. Like they're not being enough furniture, and then I guess it's Roxy's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> that one scene, yeah, that one scene where um, trying to think, it's been a while since I've. It's watched the it's it. the hanging jackhammer scene, right? Where they no 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 is the one where um, the dreadlock guy he had where they oh. were all sitting around in that one room. Uh, was it was it when he when he first talks to Will? I don't remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, so here's behind the scenes secrets. Um, (laughs) So well, it it actually ties to that hanging jackhammer sex scene because that, that bedroom is sparsely furnished as well uh, because all of those are in the same house. That scene where Eldridge is talking to Will, well, his his Eldridge's place. It's also yeah. it's it's on the lower floor of that house, and that is actually how that house is furnished. That's how my friends, they're they're hippy dippy. They don't like, and they have big dogs. Sure, just, they don't have a lot, of, a lot of stuff to knock over. So we, we just kind of walked in and shot basically because that's how we had to do it. Um, do you find yourself doing that with a lot of the stuff, trying to just take one location and maximize? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially when you when you you break down the script and you realize that you're only seeing this part of this place. You know, like we're never going to see 
the front or, you know, and, and you actually see the exterior of the house because the exterior of the house is Dolores's house <laughs> when she brings, she, she brings Will home and then they, they bone on the couch. Yeah, right, right, right. So that's their front room. And then the upstairs is Roxy's apartment. And then the back, the sunroom is where Eldridge's apartment is that did the dreadlocks guy, Steve, uh, who is a friend of Tim's who might also come on and talk to you about it. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. They're, let's yeah, they're they all, they're still, they're still my buddies. Um, so we got, at least, you know, they came through it unscathed (laughs) more or less. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, that, that's kind of how it went. It's like that house, that house doubled for, I think three locations, maybe four. And then the the house we were living in at the time was a few locations. And then there was the cave and the bar. So, you know, we just try to maximize everything because while we could, while it was relatively easy to ask and get, you know, free stuff, there was a limit to it or a limit to what people, and also, you know, people kind of experience what a, what movie making is really like, and then they quickly change their minds. You know what I mean? Of course. A lot of, a lot of, uh, hurry up to wait. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, there was a lot of that low budget filmmaking at its finest, of course. Well, were you pulling like 12 hours? I mean, what was the shooting schedule like for this thing? Did you, how long did it take to actually shoot this thing? So we shot, uh, we shot for initially we, we shot for, I think three consecutive weekends. It was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then, uh, that last weekend was the cave weekend. Then we had to go down and then we, we actually did the reshoots over one weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm. Yeah. So it was, what's that like 12 days? Yeah. 12 days and there, there's probably a 13th day in there where that was just me running around shooting stuff ups. Yeah. yeah um and we were and we all the reason we did weekends is we were all working day jobs of course at the time of course yeah <clears throat> and so um you know on those on those days we would you know friday we'd go straight from work to the set shoot all night do the same thing Saturday, do the same thing sunday i know that when we were shooting in the cave a couple of those days were you know 20 hour days Oh, so geez. yeah, it was pretty brutal. I, I would, I remember collapsing, you know, at the hotel <laughs> and I slept on the floor cause I just didn't care. And, well, and 20 it, hours, 20 hours a day. I was on one shoot that was like that. You don't even care at that point. No. It's just, I need to close my eyes for two hours. Right. Exactly. And also the producer part of my brain was like, there's no way I'm taking a bed because I don't want anybody to complain about the fact that I took a bed. You know, right. Like this way, no one can bitch because the director producer is sleeping on the floor. So. <laughs> Jeez Louise, man. Well, having gone through all of this, do you, other than weirdos like me, yeah. does this movie come up very much at like conventions and stuff like that? It's very, very rare. But when it usually happens, I'll get blindsided by it. Like, uh, I will be, I remember I was at a table with Lisa Wilcox, who's a friend of mine who, you know, um, we worked on a couple of movies together and, uh, we, I can't remember, I think we were promoting Klinger or something at some convention and some dude was talking to her about nightmare stuff, you know, and then he turns to me and he goes, Hey, so I saw witchcraft there and I'm like, what? It was, you know, like someone punched me in the stomach. Cause I wasn't yeah, expecting, you're like, Oh no, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't see it coming. And then, you know, Lisa's like, what's witchcraft? You know, I, she knows about it, but it's not like I've ever talked to her about it, you know? So, of course, of course. Uh, so I'm like, Oh, don't ruin this for me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, he was very cool. And you know, he, he was kind of like Dustin Hubbard. Like he was a super fan, you know, there are those out there. Um, so 
I just kind of, I always just contextualize it like, okay, because for me, Nightmare on Elm Street is that, you know, I'm the super, I'm the Nightmare super fan. So I would just go, oh, well, Witchcraft is his Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, he just like really loves it. So totally, you know, I'll, I try not to be too salty about it. And I leave out all the bad stuff, of course. I just try to go, oh, it was a crazy shoot, you know, stuff that people already know. Right. You know, it was crazy. It was low budget. Of course, we had to show boobs, you know. Yeah. That's what everybody wants to hear. You know, when somebody comes up to you at a convention or stuff, they're mostly doing that out of love because they're all fan. They're not good. You're not going to have, it's not like the internet where people are just (laughs) going to shit talk you. Right. Right. You know, no end. When you're at a convention, you're finally face to face with people. And more than, more times than not, at least in my experience, everybody is always so genuine and so nice and so welcoming. So it's like, I can totally hear you. It's hard to, to be negative about anything (laughs) when you're in that kind of environment. Right. And you know, if that, if that really is their thing, why, why do I want to shit on it? Like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want someone shitting on the thing I love. So, or, or took time to watch even, even if I don't love it that much, you know, it's something that I enjoy. It's entertaining. So, you know, be cool. But yeah, it doesn't, it actually doesn't come up that much. And honestly, like on the last, like I want to tell some of these stories to people, but on the last few things that I've worked on and they, they get me to tell crazy production stories because I have a bunch that are not witchcraft related. I'll tell witchcraft stories and they look at me like witchcraft. What's that? You know, and, and, and it's not just younger people. It's people yeah. that are my age. They just missed that. They just never really saw it in a video store or whatever. Or it wasn't on their radar, you know, even it's, if they were horror guys. So it's, it's a very specific, specific. thing. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, man. It was it was genuinely a part of a very specific time in exploitation filming. Yeah, totally. I mean, if it weren't for these films and, and the titty horror thrillers of like Fred Olin Ray and Jim Wynorski and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that only thrived and survived that late 80s, early 90s VHS boom. Yeah. And that's what always shocked us when we started doing these movies is that how the hell did it get to 13? Right. Right. Exactly. How did, how did they feel like they could keep exploiting this to that point? Yeah. I remember, you know, Michael Gingold and Fangoria around the time seven came out, he was like, uh, there's probably not much more gas left in this tank. And, you know, nine movies later they're still you know they're still coming out yeah i um, just watched 16 the other day man <laughs> it's i was still going i have a i actually have a question for you so you wa- have you watched all three of the new ones absolutely yeah uh, so i isn't anjanette that was in ours isn't she in one of those at least one of those oh i'd have to look it up okay i'm just i'm just curious as to what you know here i'm actually right here on imdb right now let's yes she is oh that is right she is the greta character she's actually in two of them so is there uh, maybe you don't remember but is there any connection i just wonder if they're if they connected at all or if it's just she's playing someone entirely new you're gonna find this hilarious actually they use in in part 16 they use a lot of part 11 uh-huh. but the one scene that they use over and over again throughout the entire new series is the Roxy scene 
<laughs> that is hilarious. Which which one in particular? The 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 fuck scene. Oh, really? The hanging jackhammer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fuck scene. Uh, it's it's in multiple. They even in one of them, they use it in a way that the lead character because the first two movies are supposed to be like this continuing story, and you think it's going to be this trilogy where yeah. they're going to build like a Star Wars, you know, like a three part thing. Right. So they build it up, and the second one, the lead uh, character who's this witch who's just finding her powers and blah, 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 blah. There's a flashback to that fuck scene yeah. in which it's almost insinuated that she's Will Spanner's daughter. Huh? Like that fuck scene is actually her being conceived. Interesting. Never happens because the next movie is like the new nightmare of the right. witchcraft movies. It's a meta movie. I heard you guys mention that and it intrigued me because I think <laughs> I think there's lots of possibility in that. <laughs> there is it, it, in, in what we had said in the in a, the episode was that, you know, as a film in, in and of itself, if it, it had come after yours, it would have been OK. But we had watched three movies at that point. You know, yeah, you, you totally. watch the first two and it's this story that's starting to build. And all of a sudden they basically like whip you the bird. Oh, wow. And say, well, okay. you're not going to you're not going to find out what happens at the end of this. Thing. <laughs> wow. So take it for, for what you will. Um, but I got to I got to thank you so much, man. Yeah, no problem, man. I, I enjoyed it. I'm, I'm glad that we connected and I got a chance to unload a little bit. It's fun. Maybe 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 now I can get closure. <laughs> well, I'm glad my my podcast is worth. Something. Yeah, yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> you see, so I'm never going to you know, I bitch about the witchcraft movies and we keep coming back to this over and over and over again. I am, though genuinely interested in the production of these being a filmmaker myself and having yeah. gone through this, all this stuff is that when you see movies like this, you're just kind of like, what kind of bubble is being created in, in which somebody feels that this is a niche they need to exploit and they need to make these movies. It like astounds right. me. Right. Right. Yeah. Me too. Me too. <laughs> so I, I'm glad you, you came on. Thank you for being so frank and open about all this stuff, man. Yeah, man. No problem. Well, before we go, do you want to you want to show a little bit what you got going on? Uh, let's see. So, oh, man, so much. The, it's hard to keep straight. So I, the last thing I did that was like my own stuff was uh, those videos I did for Jeff Caudle, which you can actually find online now. If you go to jeffcaudlemusic.com, it's like five. We we're, we haven't released the last one, but it will eventually be five videos we did for his last EP. And that was actually cool because it was the first thing that I had actually shot and lit and edited in a long time because I've been doing a lot of producery stuff as sure, we talked yeah. about. Um, but... Prior to that, the last two movies that I produced and you know, like kind of line produced and worked on, um, one is called Sequence Break. It's directed by Graham Skipper, and it actually just played at the Chattanooga Film Festival. It premiered there, and it actually got some really badass reviews. Uh, and it's gonna have it's gonna have uh, I think a international premiere sometime soon. Uh, but if you just search Sequence Break, Graham Skipper. Um, and I think there I think there's a website up, a Facebook page up for it. But that's probably that's probably the thing I had the most fun on, I guess, prior to the music video stuff. Uh, then I worked on the Penn Gillette movie, which is called The Grounds, um, in which we had a lot of the same issues that we had on Witchcraft. So it was kind of like the, it was kind of like the, um, 
big brother to witchcraft in a lot of ways, but it does look like it's going to get finished and come out. And I, Adam Rifkin was actually a co-producer on that. Um, so it's, it's got some, you know, heavy duty people attached to it, so it'll get released. Um, I just, you know, I can, again, I can only think about the production problems. <laughs> it's hard to distance yourself. Yeah, it you is through it. It is very hard. And then uh, I guess next up for me, it looks like hopefully uh, in the fall, I'll be doing another feature with Lisa Wilcox and, um, that one's called mystery spot. And it's about, uh, like a roadside, uh, mo- you know, roadside attraction here in Texas. It's kind of like a, it's a cross between twilight, a twilight zone episode and like in Paris, Texas, mm-hmm. the, the Vim vendors movie. It's, it's really kind of more creepy and measured and old school ghost story ish. So that'll, that's, I've been pretty excited about that because I've been looking to do something like that for a while. Um, and I think the time is right to finally, finally do it. So it looks like we'll be doing that in the fall. So well, good luck, man. I hope that goes well for you. Thank you, sir. And if it doesn't, um, be sure to get on your podcast and bitch about it. <laughs> um, I don't know how to take that exactly, but <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's a compliment. I w- clearly I wouldn't do it for just anybody. This is the first oh. time I've really talked about witchcraft stuff. So, well, thank you. That just warms my heart. Mel. You should be a psychiatrist. Oh my God. <laughs> you just I, bring I'm it all the out last of me. one anyone should go to with their problems. Trust me on that one. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'll let you get going, man. Thank you so much for doing you, this. Again. You're very welcome, man. Uh, hey. Have a good one. can find Astro Radio Z on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are found. Please, help us by subscribing, rating the show, and giving us a review. It helps us get the show out to more listeners. Also, If you would like to hear more of the show and be a more active participant, join the Astro Radio Z Facebook group and page, and join the Patreon. For only one dollar a month, you get bonus episodes. Thank you for listening. See you next week Astro Zombies.
Oh, actually, I want to ask you one one last question because we, <laughs> you actually listened to a bunch of these episodes. What did you end up thinking listening to us really dog these movies? Uh, I mean, honestly, it wasn't anything that I hadn't thought myself in a lot of in a lot of cases, um, and I've stopped. Like I said, I kind of stopped being precious about it in a, in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie and say like when you guys are ripping on 13, it, it didn't like, you know, make me mad or like make my blood pressure go up or whatever. But objectively, I can step away and yeah. go, you know, you know what I mean? Like there. Yeah, totally. There, there's there, I can see. And I that's that's the case for all the movies. Honestly, every movie I've done, if someone's going to rip on it, like. I'll see somebody rip on it on the internet and I'll get mad. But honestly, I've thought the same thing that person has more than likely, you know what I mean? So, so it's, it's a weird sort of balance, you know, because you, in a weird way, it is still sort of like one of my kids kind of, of I work so hard on it, but 